You're the family of God. We're going to talk about that today. We are born into the family of God. We're reborn into the family of God. I, I just, oh man, that last song is so encouraging. Um, hold on, what am I doing? No, what? I'm, am I not, I'm not on all the way? Oh, I'm not. Uh, sorry about that. Now am I on all the way? Okay. Me and technology. <laughs> you weren't looking for God, and he came looking for you. You didn't have any interest in God, and he gave you interest in himself. And he brought you into the family, and he will hold you fast. Because m- many of us will wander away. And, and guess what? When we wander away, he leaves the ninety-nine. And he comes and gets us. The fact that I'm saved is great. The fact that I know that he will hold me fast is greater. Because I know in my life, I've seen it in my own life, that I am not always faithful. We talked about that, you know, last week or a couple weeks before. Even when we're unfaithful, God is faithful, and so he will hold us fast. That is a confidence that the world does not have, people. It just does not. Because we're out there, we are performers. I mean, when I mean that, I mean we have to perform to get. And it's not that way with God. So he holds us fast, and that's just a little added tidbit, and that's not the sermon. Now, how about the kids? Come on up. It is so good to have you guys here you know how much encouragement you provide for the people that are out there when they see you come up? I, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, one of my favorite times of Sunday is to watch the kids come up. So you are really appreciated. Now, i got to get my glasses on. I'm going to read you a verse real quick. And it is from Romans chapter 12. Imagine that. Um, Just as each of us has one body. How about it? Do you guys all have a body? Let's see. Let me see your arms and your hands. I see your faces and stuff. Yeah, you all have a body. Now, are all your body parts the same? No. Yeah, because if if I was just one big head, what would I do? Right? I'd be stuck in one spot. So I have a bunch of parts. So just as each one of us has one body with many parts, all the parts don't have the same function, right? I mean, there's stuff that we need to do with our hands that we can't do with our nose, right? But but could we smell with our hands? No, we need a nose. And could we chew with with our ear? No, no. No, All of our parts are necessary, but they're different. Okay, so in Christ, all of us, you can look around, turn around and look outside. Those are all your family members. And they all form this one big body of God, right? And each one of them is different. Just like all the parts of your body are different, each one of us is different. All of us are different. And it says in verse 5, So in Christ we are many, but we form one body, and each member belongs to the other one. So everybody belongs to everybody else. Now, You guys have a family at home, right? I know you all do. And you, got, and they, and they, you guys do stuff together sometimes. How about chores? Do you have jobs? Yeah. Yes. And God gives us jobs in this family too. But you know what? Um, even though 
When we come into faith in Christ, that has to happen individually. I don't get to borrow that from my family, right? I didn't get to say, okay, God, you love my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters, so that's good enough. No, we had to do that by ourselves. God calls each one of us by ourselves to come to him and love him. But then when he, he saves us into this bigger family, because he has a job for us to do. So, I'm going to illustrate something. <clears throat> yeah. This is a lot of cups because there's a lot of people in God's family. Yeah. You guys got to back up just a minute. The, here's the job. This is the job. To support Pastor Tim. <laughs> Do you think this one will support Pastor Tim? No. <laughs> ah. Now, Pastor Tim totally failed in himself to do the job. Yeah, but if I have each one of you... Take these and put them down on the floor. Here we go. Take them, put them down on the floor. Can you take them, put them down? Just, okay. Here you go. Put them down on the floor. Put them down on the floor next to each other. Everybody gets one. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Did you get one? Did you guys get one yet? Everybody gets one. This represents you. This represents you. You're looking pretty good through there. All right, here we go. Let's put all these cups. Yeah, we'll double some of them up here. Get them closer. Okay. This is all of you given a job by God. And then this job is to support Pastor Tim. I think by myself, I could hardly do anything. And I smooshed just like this. But I think with all of you guys' help together, what do you think? Um, Pastor Tim's kind of big, isn't he? Look! That is what it's like to have all people working together in God's family for to accomplish something that God wants. Now, this time I gave you the job, but God gives us a job, and I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later. All right, thanks for coming up. Now, the cup stacking game. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's drinking involved usually. <laughs> All right. So the kids stay with us today. They get to hear the whole thing, and so do you. So believe it or not, we're at the last of our statement of faith, point number seven. Getting back to the basics. And so I've said a number of times, and, and this is going to be the culmination of that today. I've said this is the things that we have commonality with. This is what unifies us. These are the beliefs that we all as Christians should hold. 
That's why they're the basics. That's why they're our statement of faith. Because on these things, we should have agreement. So if we've gone through all seven of these, or we're going to go through all seven of them, seven being today, and you find one that, hey, man, I, I'm not sure I buy that. We need to talk. Because this is, this is Bible basics. And there's a lot more. There's a lot more things that we should all agree on. This is not the, the entire amount of things that we should say, this is the essentials of Christianity. But we have selected these. And this one is interesting. It's interesting that it's the last one, for one thing. But it's interesting that we pick this, and it is this. Somewhere. Oops. Now i got to go back. This is point number seven. We believe, once again, why do I say that? When I say we believe, because I stood up here and convinced you of it? No, because we believe that the Bible is telling us in the spiritual unity of believers, and those are believers in Lord Jesus Christ, who have the mutual responsibility of helping each other grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what is it really saying there? Two things. There are two things. The unity of believers, character, in our character. We have unity within our character, and we have unity of purpose. Those two things, right? That's what it's saying. I believe in spiritual unity, that we are united spiritually together for the purpose of helping one another grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, isn't, well, we'll just look at this. So I'm going to rephrase it. We were saved into the family of God. This is the big family. Now, there's a bigger family than this one. We're one part, we're one little segment, little branch of the family tree that meets here at Machias. There are other parts of the family that are meeting right now in this same area, in, in, in different countries of the world, throughout the United States. We're all part of the big universal church. But, but this is our family right here, and God has chosen, and He did in Scripture, make these little groups, and, and in different cities, these, the apostles would go and start churches. And even though they are united, but this is our little spiritual family right here. We're, so we're spiritually united with all Christians in the universal church, but we are spiritually united together here. A body of believers unified in Christ, but distinctly individual in makeup with the common purpose of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples furthering the building of God's kingdom here on earth as tools in the hands of the Holy Spirit we are tasked to help one another grow in community as we all use our gifts and talents for the edification of the entire family and this is for God's glory and our good and so God has tell, tells us in scripture and we are going to look at those scriptures some of them where God is telling us this these two things, I want you to be one. I want you to have unity, and I want you to have unity of purpose. We're going to talk about those things. Spiritual unity, what is it? How do we achieve it? We're unified, but we're individually different for a reason, and we have unity of purpose. 
So we're going to talk about those things, and I'm going to share an illustration with you, which I think you will be able to appreciate when we get there. So spiritual unity, what is it? Jesus is telling, well, actually praying in this particular verse to, to the Father for his disciples. And he says this, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. This is Jesus praying to his Father, speaking of his disciples, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them even as you love me. Does this sound like unity among believers is important to God? It absolutely is. He told, and his son is saying, God, I'm asking for things for these people. He could have asked for anything. He could have asked God to do anything, take them away, and he does ask for some other things. But this one he is very specific about. God, make them one as you and I are one because unity is to be like God. Unity is a God trait. There is perfect unity in the Godhead. Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, God the Father. They are perfectly unified even though they are eternally distinct. And even have some different purposes. But in, within the Godhead, there's perfect unity. And so when Jesus is praying to his Father for his disciples, he doesn't pray for more smarts. He doesn't pray for more courage. He doesn't pray for more long-suffering. He says, make them one as you and I are one. And then they'll, people will know that they belong to you. Unity is hard, isn't it? <clears throat> We're going to be looking at what it is in Ephesians chapter 4. But what is unity? I'd say the definition is living spiritually, united in harmony with one another, working towards the same goal, united by the same God, powered by the same Holy Spirit, and children of the same Christ. Unity is not uniformity. We're going to look at that in the second point. It doesn't mean that we're all together all the time and everybody agrees on everything. It doesn't mean that we think the same. It doesn't mean that we sometimes have the same personality. It just means that there is a factors out there that bring us together and we're going to look at what those are. We're all different. Sometimes we can find unity in in commonality, right? You see people that get together in sports kind of things, or or they all hang out because they're fans of the Seahawks, or they they go together because they all like to hunt, or, or, or they find some sort of common interest. And so there is a commonality, but it's not maybe what you think. We have been given commonality by God with certain factors, What do you think it requires? Because I'm going to ask the question, why is this so hard for us? And why is it so important to God that we have unity? So so we're looking at unity and we're saying, well, what is it? Um, And it is that commonality that we have and the working together in harmony, even though we're different. So what does it take? Why is it so hard 
is the same answer as why what it does take to get it. So here's some, here's some characteristics I think are essential in order to have unity. Grace. We're different. We think differently. And if we are together long enough, we're going to irritate one another probably. And we'll be doing some things different, and we may look at something a little different. We may like different kinds of music, and we may like a different way that we get together and, and how we do our services, and we may have a certain way we like to see things done. And, and when it's done a different way, we're going to get sideways about it a little bit. And therefore, unity is not mean agreeing about everything, but unity means being able to work together in harmony despite our differences. And in order to do that, grace is required. How about forgiveness? How about we get together? How many of you have ever been in a family situation where somebody offended you and your family? That's true. Of course that never happened. Yes. Okay. Because we love one another in our family, the family that God put us in when we were born, God's... Well, Besides, he just says, forgive everyone, even your enemies. But, you know, here we got, we got a family, and, and, and so we love them, and... By golly, we're probably stuck with them anyway. Might as well forgive them and get on with it because unforgiveness creates a, a barrier to being together as the blood family that we are. And so forgiveness is very important for unity. We have to be able to forgive one another because I can guarantee you there's some things I'm going to do you won't like at some point. And, and hopefully if I recognize that I've offended you or if I've done something, that I would, I would ask your forgiveness, but you would have to forgive me. Otherwise, there's going to be a barrier to the unity that we have. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is horrible for unity. And so we're going to be asked to forgive one another. We're going to be asked to have patience. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Don't pray for patience. But we're going to need it. We're going to need as we work together, and this is something we're going to culminate at hopefully towards the end of the sermon. It won't be too, lo too long and too late because it's Communion Sunday. But I'm trying to get through this one because I want to be done by Easter. And so we're just going to go. But, but so patience is required for us to work together as we move forward as a church. God has a plan. I'm telling you, God has a plan to build his kingdom in Machias using you people. And we're going to move forward, and we're going to have a plan. And there's going to be times when you don't understand. There's going to be times when you don't agree. There's going to be times when things didn't go the way you wanted them to go, and you're going to have to have patience. And patience is hard. I will tell you, and I, I, can't, I remember when, when Chris Kramer was here, and he, he was saying, I think he said to his wife, patience is one of the, my worst things. And I, would, I could just hear Carol saying, yeah, that's Tim. <laughs> In fact, she says, you could ask her, she says, Tim, you've got to be one of the most impatient people on earth. And I would say, you're probably right, especially when it comes to being in the car. I'm very intolerant of other drivers. Patience is required. Do you really want unity? Do you really crave it? Have you ever, I should just ask you, have you ever really felt it? We're going to talk about this at the end of the sermon, but I felt it about two weeks ago when we put the play set together. We're going to talk about that. Anyway, have you felt it? Do you crave it? Because God wants it for you because he knows in order for you to have peace 
in order for you to have fulfillment in your life and find joy, you need unity. You need unity within your marriage. You need unity within your family. You need unity within your church. Once again, it doesn't mean we all have to agree. But we need it. And if you want it, if you really crave it the way God wants it for you, then we have to look at these factors that require us to have and then find out, hey, if I don't have this, is it creating a barrier to the unity for the family that God placed me in? Because I believe God placed you here. If you're here, God placed you here. And he gets to move you around as he sees fit, but for right now, he's got you here. And it's going to be really important as we move forward to find God's will and do it with courage to be unified. Patience, long-suffering. Here's another big one, humility. Humility is a hard one. Because everybody has their, you know, we, we only have our own agenda, and, and we all kind of like to, to be... Well, not everybody, but a lot of us like to be, you know, kind of in control. And, 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 and so to have that, to have some humility that says, you know, my way is not important here. It's not important if we do things like I like it. It's not important that, that I get my agenda taken care of. It's not important that I get my way. It's important that God has put me here, that he's gifted me with a gift, and that I use that gift for the betterment of the whole body of Christ. And in order to do that, we need humility, unselfishness, self-sacrifice, agape love, kindness, and gentleness. So you can go through that. Let me go through the list again. Grace, forgiveness, patience, long-suffering, humility, unselfishness, self-sacrifice, agape love, kindness, and gentleness. Those are the things that are needed, and that's why it's so hard, because we don't do very well at some of them at most points in our life. So if you find one of those things on your list, give it to God because you need it. If you say, I'm really struggling with kindness or I'm really struggling with humility or I'm really struggling with patience, give it to God because you'll need that to be unified moving forward. Now let's see if I can stick to my notes and my slides at the same time. That would be amazing. Oh, that I actually think I missed one there. Okay, so we're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 4 and read through um, the first seven verses. And what we're looking at here is we're unified because of what? Therefore, I, <clears throat> I therefore as a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul talking in his letter to the church at Ephesus, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility. We talked about that with all gentleness, with all patience, with bearing with one another in love, long-suffering in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. So he's saying, look, here are the characteristics you are going to need, but here are the factors by which you are unified. One body. One spirit, one hope. And, and that's where God brings us together. And, and notice, those are all things that God did, not you. You know, when I was born into my family, I did next to nothing other than just be there. But there I was, and I had the unity of being a Henley. Sometimes that's not a good thing. But nonetheless, I was a Henley, and I am a Henley. And so I had the bond of Henley, and I did nothing to gain that other than just be there. 
And God says, look, I've given you this one family of God. You are part of it. When you were saved, you were saved into the family of God. You were saved as an individual, but you were saved into a family, just like you when you were born the first time. You were born into a family, now being born the second time. You're being born into this family. And you have a bond, therefore, and, as in your other family, a responsibility. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But this is what you were formed around, one spirit. I put my Holy Spirit in this body, in this family, and it is one of you, and every one of you who's a believer has my Holy Spirit, and that bonds you together as a group. One body, one spirit, one hope. We all have that same hope. We're hoping that there's something better than this. We're hoping that this isn't all there is. We're hoping that God is going to come back and fix us who are broken and everything else who, who, that is broken so that we can finally experience the kind of life that God intended for us when he created us in the beginning. We share that hope. Hopefully you have the same hope. Hopefully that's why you're here. Not just as a social experiment, not just because it's a fun place to come, but that you have a hope that God is going to answer all of his promises with a yes through Christ. And we share that hope and we want to share the hope with others. But that is one of the things that bonds us together. The world is out there striving and failing and with no hope that things are ever going to get any better. And here we are, gathered together on a Sunday. And we could just, we could, if we could, we had the time, we don't. We could go around the room and say, how did God work in your life this week? How, does, how is God working in your life? And we would hear those stories of hope one after another and say, yes, God is good. Not only is he good intellectually, but he's good in real life too. And we share that. We share that, that bond of hope that God is in control in a world that is not in control. God is in control, and I have that hope that the one who controls everything loves me beyond my ability to understand it. We share that hope, and it should bond us together, and that bond, that recognition should result in unity. That's what God wants for you. He wants it for you. Just like holiness, he doesn't want from you, he wants for you. So there's one Lord also binding us together, one faith, one baptism, and one God who is over all and through all and in all. But, so there we go, those are the things that group us together. Those are the things that cause us to be a family. Those are the things that unify us. We can all say, yes, there's just one Lord. Yes, there's just one faith. Yes, there's just one baptism, and there's one God who's over all of it. But grace was given to us individually and uniquely. Each one of those things helps bond us together, and yet here we are, and we're still different. So Philippians 2, 1 through 5, is going to tell us how do we prepare ourselves for unity. 
starting in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, and this is a rhetorical question, he's saying, yes, of course there is. Any comfort from the love that you receive from God, and of course there is. If there's any participation in the Spirit, which of course there is if you're saved, because you have the Holy Spirit. If you have any affection, any sympathy, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. So he's saying, look, if you have all those things, if God has done those things in your life, and it is a rhetorical question, so the answer is yes, he has done those things. Yes, you have encouragement. Yes, you have comfort from his love. Yes, you are a participant of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have affection and sympathy. Then do this. Be one as he is one. Prepare yourselves for unity by having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. If you think that your church family is lacking in unity, do that. Quit worrying about yourself and worry about the group. And then unity will come as we humble ourselves and serve one another in love through God using the gifts He gave us for a common purpose, but you have to die to self. This is another one of those things that is good for you. And you think, is it really? I mean, should I really have to put myself on an altar and, and let God kill me, the me, so that I can serve others? Is that, is that really where I'm going to find satisfaction and love and peace and joy? And I'm going to say yes. And the result of those, those things is unity. Because when everybody has sacrificed himself and is keeping the, 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 what does it say, the needs of others... Look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others, having this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus. And, he, and then he goes on in this particular chapter to explain how Jesus was the perfect example of this. Self-sacrificial love and service is preparing yourself for unity. All right. God wants unity for us. In order for us to have unity we need to put self in the back. But God also has a unified purpose for us. <clears throat> so in Corinthians chapter 12, it's going to talk about a body. It's going to talk about like I talked about with the kids. None of us is the same. We all have these body parts, right? This is an illustration, right? It's a metaphor for the fact that God, hey, he recognizes he made you uniquely you. And that's a good thing. Why? We're going to see. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of its members of the body, though are many, there's still just one body. And so this is the same with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, this family of God that we have. Greeks, Jews, slaves are free. All were made to drink of one spirit. So when we started this journey we call life, none of us started out saved, and we were all different, and we had different backgrounds, and maybe we had a different history, maybe we had a different viewpoint on life, maybe we had different sins that we were dealing with. doesn't matter. All were welcome. And God's going to take every single part, no matter how it started out, no matter where you began your journey with Christ, and he is going to meld you into a body part that functions perfectly the way he wants. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. However, I don't know why that happened. 
However, this is the, the thing. Each one of you is a body part, but to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It says again, as I read in Romans chapter 12, we all belong to one another. That is our responsibility. There's lots of benefits about being a family member. There's lots of benefits of belonging to a body that can support Pastor Tim if they all work together at one time, just like the kids did. That's a great thing, right? This, as I was researching that, they said, um, I, was, I was looking, looking for some, some object lessons, and they, they were asking these kids, how much can a single draft horse pull on a, on, a, on a wagon full of logs? How much weight? How much weight do you think? The average draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Now, on a wagon, it's got wheels, right? And we're assuming it's probably not uphill, but on flat ground, the average draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds. You know how many two can pull? 24. 24,000 pounds, and that's the way the family of God works. As a whole, we are greater than the sum of the parts. God can do some amazing things when all of us are pulling in the same direction, the same commonality of purpose, and that purpose is given to us by God. Now, there's lots of different versions about what that looks like, right? Every church has a little bit of a different thing, maybe, or a different emphasis, but we cannot redefine the goal of the church, God gives that to us, and it is love one another, love God, make disciples. And that in includes a lot of different things, right? It, it includes, as it said in, in the statement of faith, to help each one of us grow in knowledge of Christ into the fullness of a Christian. So we have a, a, an obligation to use the gift that we've been given by the Holy Spirit as part of the body for the good of the entire body to build things up in this synchronous way where the result is greater than the sum of the parts and each one of us has that responsibility. But it's also a blessing as you come together. Have you ever been involved in an effort where you worked as a team with other people and you could stand back and you were just amazed at what happened through the result. And you say, I was part of that. I didn't do it by myself, but I was part of something really significant. God has something really, really significant to do with the body of people here at Machias Community Church. And when we all dig in, when we're all serving, when we're all using our gifts, you are going to be amazed at what God can do in the lives of other people and in the lives of his children as we work together to grow. We are, we are built to grow in community. We are built to encourage one another. God puts us together, not as Lone Ranger Christians, but in church groups so that we can, in community, use the gifts we've been given. We're going to see some of those gifts. So God arranges the body in the members, each of them as he chooses. If it were all a single member, would the body, what would the body be? As I told the kids, if I was just a head, I'd be in trouble. I mean, I, I could see, maybe, and maybe I could think, but I wouldn't be able to do anything. So he gave them apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Now, this isn't all that there is, but God is saying, look, I gave you these things in this church. Every single one of these things exists. 
for the benefit of the entire whole. And what is the purpose? Why has God equipped his church supernaturally with exactly the right parts that he wants to be in there? This is the goal. This is the mission of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And that means building up those that are already in the family, and that means going out and finding those who God has appointed to be in the family and bringing them in. We have been given different parts, and some of it are leadership parts, for the purpose of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry for the building up of Christ, the body of Christ, until all of us attain unity in the faith. Unity is one of the goals that God has for his people. And therefore, he's given us all these different talents and gifts and people and and things to do so that we can work together and find unity because God knows there is joy there. God knows that there is effectiveness there. God knows that when you are doing something in unity, you're going to get a result that's greater than yourselves. Until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son, building one another up in unity and in knowledge of God, so that we can attain mature manhood and the full measure of the stature of Christ. And why is that important? Because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be transformed into the image of Christ. And he says, this is, this is my, my plan. You may have a plan to sit at home and read your Bible, which is good. And you think, okay, this is it. All I really need is the TV preacher and, and my Bible. And God says, well, that's, that, that might be your plan. But I got a plan. It's like this. It's like you connect into a body somewhere, and you use the gifts and talents and time I've given you to build one another up so that as a whole group, every one of us is growing in maturity all the time. And that's what it's about to mentor someone. That's what it's about to be mentored by someone as we all come alongside each other. If you have been a Christian more than a couple of months, you probably have something you didn't have when you started. And you could find somebody who's just starting and share that with them. Every single one of you has something to share with this body. Some experience, some blessing some form of God's grace that's been demonstrated in your life that can help encourage and mentor someone else to the next level because God says, I want to raise all of you, not just the few, not just the elite leaders, not just a few people who are leading classes or teaching or speaking. I want all of you to grow to and attain a fullness of my image. And my plan is churches just like this one so that We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Because there are things out there that would like to pull you away from your faith. And this is how we learn what those are. When we come and we hear the truth of God's word, when we are with other saints who will help us to recognize and see the red flags when some sort of scheme comes along. Because the devil is very clever. And I see it even in our community Lies being told and people being deceived by things that they want to hear in their itching ears. 
How do we protect ourselves from that? This is how. We come together and we study the Word of God and we encourage one another and we point out those things that are out there so that none of us will be deceived. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So God is saying, look, I'm going to equip you, and and I'm going to keep you together. And and I am going to sustain you just like I sustain you, and, and I will hold you fast. I will hold you fast as a body as we grow together if we're doing it, seeking unity. We have unity available. Will we grab it? We have individual gifts. Will we use them? We have a a unity of purpose. Will we see it? Will we submit to it? Will we take hold of it? And let God lead you as an individual into unity with everybody else that's here to grasp a hold of his plan for Machias Community Church. Time will tell. You have to submit. I have to submit. Before it gets any later, we are going to have our communion still. A couple weeks ago, we did the play set, and there were at least a dozen guys. And I, the longer I thought about that, and the more this illustration, I'm probably going to abuse it, so I'm going to apologize ahead of time. We got together, and we had a common purpose. And when we first came together as the guys that were out there, it was clear we liked one another. It was fun to be around each other. There was some fellowship going on. And then we had a plan. And we had basically three people who were leaders. Andy Esner, Wayne Ringen, and Travis Van Overbeck. And guess what? They had a plan. So, so did God put leaders in, into, into place for a particular reason? Absolutely he does. And they had a plan. And and Andy was back there, and he's Mr. Technical, and he'd gone through all the parts ahead of time and and gathered them all up into kits where they had to go. And he was directing people to go, okay, now we need this set, and you go over here, and you go over there. Oh, oh, Andy, what's going on with this? Well, let me see. And then we had Wayne, who was out there before anybody started preparing the site, a guy who could work me under the table any day of the week. That's right. And then here was Travis, the overall, and he had the big picture, and he was like, okay, Wayne, you got to do this, and okay, Andy, get up the parts ready. Okay, you guys over here. And you know what he had done before? It all started when Wayne had prepared the site. They had a plan. They had a plan. And we could say, well, God has a plan. And then they set out strings, string-lined it, 90 degrees down the center line of both of them. And every time we made a move, we checked it against the string line. And that's the word of God, and that's God's Holy Spirit, is the string line. We think we have a plan, but we had to check it all the time. How does it line up with God? How does it line up with the Bible? How does it line up? And we did that. And and we made our adjustments, and there were times when we had to move stuff around because it didn't line up with the string line. 
And the plan was there, and people were working together, and, and there were people with different gifts and different, different strengths, and, and, and just everybody was doing what they were good at. And, and they were being directed by a, a group of leaders, and this thing was coming together. It was amazing. It was beautiful to see it happen. It was amazing. And then we had some times where we screwed up. <laughs> And there's a, what's the mod pod, right? It's, it's the thing that is a climbing thing. And, and the, the, the direction said, put it together like this, right? And we put it together like that, and it didn't work. And, and it was a hassle to put it together like that because it's this awkward thing, and you had to hold up on one end to get the legs on it, and you had to hold the leg, metal legs, you had to hold them up, line up all four holes, try to get the bolts through and tighten them up, and then set it down and lift it up and put the one guy holding the leg and the other guy trying to get the bolts on. We got all three of these big old heavy legs on there and stood it up. Oh, man, it doesn't line up with the holes in the ground. That That was discouraging. Okay, so... No, it's okay. Look, look, just take them apart. We'll put them back the other way. And so we did that. It was worse. <laughs> it was worse. We'd done this twice. And we're thinking, yeah, we got to go back to the way we started. And I was, re- I was doing it. I was part of this thing, right? I was really discouraged. Shane Baker says, all right, let's do it. And he got it, and we flipped it around and did it because we had someone there who had that gift of encouragement when things were going bad to say, that's okay. Let's just move on and do it. And, and we did. And it was such an illustration of unity and what God can do. I would have said that thing, no chance. If I'd have seen what that thing looked like, Before we started, I would have said, no chance we're getting that thing done by the time the concrete arrives. No way. Travis had ordered the concrete for 2 o'clock. We started out there about 8 o'clock, and we had to assemble the whole thing, get it in the holes, get it lined up completely right, plumb level, ready for the pour. And I'm thinking, no chance. And then lunchtime comes, and I'm thinking, oh, are we going to have time for lunch? Have faith, Tim. I said, Travis, can you put the concrete off? No, concrete's coming at two. So he said, here's the deal. Half of you go in and eat lunch while the other works, and then that half will go out and work while the other. This is like the guys on the wall, right, rebuilding the, the wall in Jerusalem. You guys carry your swords and watch while we build, and then we'll switch. This was an amazing thing to see people as God's people were doing something. And in the end, it went quicker than than was really possible. And it turned out so beautiful. And it was just, I can't even describe the feeling. I don't care about the swing set. This was a job we had to do. And this group of men worked together in love. And we sat and ate lunch together and made jokes and had fun. And we just loved being together. And I saw something that I didn't think was possible happen in a time frame I didn't think was possible because men were working together in love and unity. And nobody had an agenda. And nobody got, uh, oh, I got to have it done my way. It was just, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Just tell me what I need to do. I don't know anything. We go to our leaders and say, I don't know what to do next. I'm kind of confused. Well, come here, just do this. And it was such a good illustration of unity in action. And I know 
if it can be done with a playset, it can be done with building the kingdom of God in the same way. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just uh, we thank you for the things that you've given us that are supposed to lead us into unity. Lord, help us take hold of it. Get rid of the things that are a barrier to our unity and then see what you will do. Not in amazement, but in just awe. It's not amazement because we know you can do it. We shouldn't be surprised even though we are, but, but just to see what you can do through people who are broken, who still are sinful, who still are selfish. When we sacrifice and give ourselves wholly to you, you've said, and others have said, you don't need much of a man, you just need all of him. You don't get much with me and others, but if you have all of us, you can do mighty things. So Lord, I just pray that you gift us with that, a desire to find unity of purpose and character, and then see what you will do. And I just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in us and through us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.